Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Church, it is so good to have you join us today. Are you guys excited to be at church today, everybody? Man, I am so excited. Hey, if you're our guest here today, my name is Rhett. I'm the lead pastor here at One Life Church. It's an honor and a privilege to get to bring you today God's word. We're starting a new series. We're calling Winning the War in Your Mind. And I want to go ahead and give props straight up to friend in ministry, Pastor Craig Rochelle from Life Church out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, who just released a book called Winning the War in Your Mind. This is what this series is based on. He actually just walked his church through it, and I asked if I could have permission to share it with you, and they graciously said, absolutely, we want to share this with our One Life Church family here in Nampa, Idaho. So I just, I am so thankful for our, our relationship network that we have across the country. If you don't know who Pastor Craig Rochelle is in Church, they are the largest church in America. They run somewhere, you know, over about 100,000 people, so they're, <laughs> they are around the country. And so I'm not getting any kickbacks for sharing this series. I'm not getting any kickbacks for telling you you need to buy this book. It is in bookstores today, but it has the power to change your life. There's a lot of principles that I'm going to be sharing today from this series and from God's word that have brought so much power and life change in my life. It's a part of my testimony that I will share a little bit later in this message. So if there's ever a series that you wanted to take notes on, it's this series. So go to olc.church, olc.church, swipe down, hit the button that says message notes and get ready to follow along because I'm telling you, you don't want to miss these notes today. My friends, my job as a pastor isn't to entertain you on a Sunday. My job as a pastor isn't to just inspire you, but it's to give you the tools and the resources to empower you to live out your best life. And the only way that that's going to happen is if you not only hear God's word, but you apply God's word, not only on Sunday, but in your family, Monday through Saturday. And for those who the message notes are making a difference in your life, can I hear a good amen this morning from you this morning? Amen. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Red, I am not a note taker. I get it. I was there at one time. But can I encourage you maybe to try something you've never tried before? Because you might just get something you've never gotten before, especially from God's word. So go to olc.church, click on that button that says message notes, and get ready to follow along. Hey, before I jump in, I want to do something I do every single Sunday, and that is I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, One Life Church, throw your hands together. Show some love to those who are joining us today online. Hey, I want to welcome you and tell you you are a family. We love you, and we are sending you air high fives and air fist bumps today. We are just so thankful you are along for the ride. Okay, with your message notes out, get ready to follow along. Here is, I, I want to begin with this thought, and it's a huge thought, and that is most of life's battles are won or they are lost in your mind. Most of life's battles are either won or lost in your mind. So the things that you face in your marriage, the things that you face in your finances, the struggles of your self-worth, everything that you deal with in this life, all of life's battles, most of life's battles are going to be won or they're going to be lost in your mind. 
what happens between this year and this year, every day of your life. And as we study today, there is really no better place to start to learn how to win the war in our mind than to look at a man named Paul. Who is Paul? Well, the religious people of the day, they would have considered him probably, you know, a Pharisee, uh, a very pious person who is very religious into the law. Like he followed God's law to the T. He was one of the greatest persons that ever did this. In fact, when Christ died and rose again, he didn't believe in Christ. And those who began to follow Christ, he began to persecute because it didn't line up in his mind to God's law. And so Paul, who is he? He, he was a murderer of Christians. That's what he was. Until one day, he had an experience with Jesus Christ in the flesh on the road to Damascus. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And when he met Christ face to face, he had this, something happened in his life. He was transformed and he was changed ever since. And at that moment, Paul became a follower of Christ. His name was Saul, but then it became Paul because he wanted to change his name because of what God was doing in his life. And so what did Paul do? He planted churches, just like One Life Church, in several cities across the country. And he became what we would call in religious circles today, an apostle. What's an apostle? It's a church planner. That's what it is. He went on to write letters to the churches. This is where we get our books called like Philippians and Ephesians and Corinthians, right? He was writing to the Christians in those cities. And what we see in Paul's life, what we learn is that he was on a process. He went on this journey of winning the war in his mind. And that's important to understand as we jump into this, because you're going to read, we're going to read a scripture here. Actually, it comes out of Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 25. And you're going to think Paul is just a little bit crazy, because he didn't start out just, you know, winning the war in his mind. It was a journey. Look at this. He says, guys, I don't really understand myself. Why, Paul? Because I've got this battle going on in my mind, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He goes on to say, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Guys, if there's ever a verse in the Bible that I can relate to, it is this one. I'm like, preach it, Paul. Come on, where you at, somebody? I get it. If you're being honest today, you're like, okay, I can relate to this. And so Paul goes on to say, listen, guys, I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. It's like, I love God's law with all my heart. And many of you here today, including myself, we love God. We're good people. We want to serve the Lord. But what in the world? I want to do what's right, but I do what's wrong. I want to do what's good, but I end up doing what I hate. What in the world is happening to me? And he goes on to say, here it is. There's a power that's work within me. Notice this. It is a war with my, everybody say that word out loud, my mind. It's a war that's happening in between this year and this year on a consistent basis. And I love his humanity in this next part of the verse. Look at this. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. And if you were being honest today, some of you say, this is exactly how I feel. I feel miserable. I feel dejected. I feel guilt. I feel shame for wanting to do the right thing, but always ending up doing the wrong thing. What is wrong with me? What is happening? And you may be asking the same question Paul asked here. Who will free me? from this life that is dominated by sin and death. 
And Paul said, you know what? Thank God that I have come to realize the truth, the answer for the battle of my mind, in the battle for my marriage, in the battle for my home, in the battle for my kids, in the battle for my health, in the battle of everything that I will face. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, if you believe that, say a good amen this morning. It's in Jesus Christ our Lord. One thing I want you to know about Paul is he loved God, but he was very honest. He was very real. He was very transparent and authentic with his walk. He fought battles in his mind. He warred in those areas. But over time, over time, it was a process, but over time, he won them. So I just want you to know, guys, you got to understand that this journey as a Christian is a process. Paul wasn't an overcomer overnight. It was moment by moment, day by day, month by month, year by year. And we know that Paul eventually found victory in his mind because we read a scripture like this, but then we read one of the last letters he wrote to the church, which goes to the church in Philippi, in Philippians. And the verse won't be on your screen, but near, he was facing a death sentence in prison. And he writes things like, hey guys, rejoice. And again, I just want to tell you, like, rejoice. In fact, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Present your requests to God. Talk to God. Involve God in the process of every area of your life. Why, Paul? Because it's then that the peace of God will transcend your understanding and guard your heart and guard your mind. In fact, this is why I can do all things through Christ Jesus, Paul said. You can read about it in Philippians chapter 4. It's amazing. And so that leads me to ask the question, Paul, how in the world did you go from miserable to married, telling us to rejoice? How in the world did you go from uncertain about your thought life to just being so confident? Paul, what in the world did you learn to win the battle that was going on in your mind? And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to talk about through this series. We're going to look at the life of Paul every Sunday, and we're going to learn how in the world we can control our thoughts so that our thoughts don't control us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 4. I love this. Guys, as Christians, Paul says, for though we live in the world. Now, time out for a second. I just remind every single one of us, in case you have forgotten, we live in this world, don't we? You're like, hey, Rhett, that's a no-brainer. Thanks for that. I'm glad I came to church today. You're telling me something I already know. Like, the reality, though, is, guys, you've got to remember, we live in a broken, hurting, painful world full of incredibly difficult circumstances and uncertainty. But although, guys, we live in this world, look at what Paul says, we don't wage war as the world does. Wait a minute. Hold on, Paul. What in the world are you saying? Paul is telling us, hey, guys, even though you're a Christian, you're in a battle You're in a battle for your life. You're in a battle for your mind. You're in a battle for your family. You're in a battle for your finances. You're in a battle for your health. You are in a battle of your mind. And just because you've given your life to Christ doesn't mean that this world is going to be full of rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. Somewhere along the line, guys, we've forgotten. We've just bought into this lie and deception of thinking like our lives are going to be perfect just because we've given our heart to Christ. Internally, yes. Circumstantially, not so much. We are in a war, and it's time that we're reminded of that. And look at this. The weapons that we fight with, they're not weapons of this world. No, 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 no. On the contrary. Somebody say contrary. 
On the contrary, they have divine power. Power. This word power comes from a Greek word called dunamis. You know what the literal translation is for this word power? Dynamite explosive, miraculous power of God. You and I, my friends, the weapons that we fight with in our mind and in our family and in our homes and in this life, they have divine authority from God himself for power to annihilate, to destroy, to do what? To demolish strongholds. Strongholds. To which, honestly, that begs the question, what in the world is a stronghold? Well, the purest definition is this, a stronghold is simply a fortified prison. I like to say that it's any area where you've been taken prisoner, locked by deception. It's where you've locked, you've locked yourself into a lie where you begin to believe that you can't be free. You've heard a lie so many times, over and over and over and over and over again, one day at a time, week by week, month by month, year by year, from family, from friends, and you have bought into a lie. And now you believe that your identity, your life, your situations for yourself and for others, you're viewing it through the lens of a lie. And you're believing that there's no hope. And you're believing that you cannot be free. And I want to tell you by the power and the blood of Jesus, that is a lie from the pit of hell meant to destroy your life. And we know this because Jesus said this in John 10, 10, the thief, the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do it? He sells us one lie at a time. One lie at a time. And, and this shouldn't, you know, catch us by surprise because Jesus told us in John eight forty four, guys, there is no truth in Satan. No, no. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For why? He's a liar and he is the father of lies. Every word of the enemy is a lie. He'll whisper things to you like, hey, guys, you're never going to be free from that addiction. You know what? You're never going to be enough. In fact, God, God could care less about you. I mean, don't you know what you did last night? Don't even think about praying. God's not going to answer your prayer. In fact, God's not even real. You know what? You're never going to be able to trust anyone because you're not trustworthy. And the last time you did, somebody hurt you. Nobody wants to be your friend. Hey, girl, have you looked at Instagram lately? Yeah, you're U-G-L-Y, ugly. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Nobody wants to date you. You're going to be single for the rest of your life. In fact, you're never going to be married. I know one day you want to have kids, but you're never going to have kids. In fact, if you're married and you've been struggling with that, you're never going to have kids. These are the lies from the pit of hell. And he feeds them to you in your mind. And he's unrelenting. He'll do it over and over and over and over again with a goal to get you to buy into it, to bite into it, to believe it. So what do we do? That's the question. What do we do? Well, the word teaches us that you and I have divine power. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Guys, we have divine power to do what? To demolish, to destroy, to annihilate, to tear down arguments and every pretension, every lie from the pit of hell, from the enemy that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How we take, everybody say we take. 
We take captive every thought and we make our thoughts obedient to Christ. In other words, guys, you and I, we have a responsibility in this process. And our responsibility in winning the war in our mind is that we have to take captive every thought. And this is what this series is all about. I'm gonna teach you how, but before I teach you how to learn how to take these thoughts captive, I just wanna remind you why it is so important. And the reason it's so important is because your life is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Your life, my life, is a reflection of all the thoughts that we think. And I'm gonna show it to you. Proverbs chapter 4, 23. Hey guys, be careful what you think. Be careful. Why? Because your thoughts, your thoughts, well, they run your life. If you're taking notes this morning, write it down this way. Guys, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you want to change your life, you have to change your thinking. And if you'll change your thinking, then you'll change your life. Let me give you one more verse to help build this foundation of this truth. Proverbs 23, 7. It's all throughout scripture. Look at this. For as he thinks in his heart, for as she thinks in his heart, for as we think in our heart, so is he. In other words, as we think, so we become. Guys, if you think you can't, eh, you probably never will. But if you come to believe the truth of God's word that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then guess what? You probably will. If you're constantly buying into the lie that I'm a victim, I'm always going to suffer from the circumstances that were beyond my control. I'm always going to be the victim. Well, chances are you're probably always going to be the victim. You're right. But if you buy into God's truth and God's word over your life, and that you believe that you're an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, then my friends, I promise you, you will no longer be a victim, but you will be a victorious overcomer. If you're always dwelling on your problems, if you're always dealing on the negative, yeah! Chances are you're always gonna be negative. Just is gonna happen. But if you're always looking for solutions, if you're always looking at God in his word for solutions, guess what's going to happen? You're always going to find answers. It's just the truth. So when it comes to our thoughts, what do we know so far? Well, we know that most of life's battles are either won or lost in our mind. So here's a question. What are you thinking about? Think about what you're thinking about. I want to do what Pastor Craig calls a thought audit. I love this. I want, to, I want to encourage you to think about what you think about. So on a scale of one to 10, put this on the screen. Are you worried or are you more peaceful? In other words, are you worried about the future? Are you worried about your finances? Are you worried about your health? Are you worried about COVID-19? Are you worried about your marriage? Are you worried about your kids? Are you worried about the state of the world? Are you worried about the Republicans? Are you worried about the Democrats? Are you worried about our economy? Are you worried about what people think about you? 
Or would you say, when it comes to my mind and my thoughts, do, are they more peaceful? Like, despite the situations, despite the circumstances and the things that I face, do you find yourself being able to rest in God's truth and knowing that, you know what, God is my provider. God is my peace. He's not left me. He's not forsaken me. God is in control. And for that reason, I can rest well at night. Think about what you think about. How about this one? When it comes to your negative thoughts, or when it comes to your thoughts, are they more negative or are they more positive? Like, are you really critical about people? Like, are you the kind of person like, oh, that's never going to change? Nah, it's only going to get worse. Oh, you broke one leg? Oh, I broke two. Let me tell you, master. Oh, that's painful? Oh, let me tell you what, girlfriend, you have no idea how painful this was in my life. Are you that person? Or are you more positive when it comes to the things that you think about? Do you believe the best about others? Do you believe the fact that God is for you and not against you and that no matter what happens in your life, that all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. Think about what you think about. Here's one more. When it comes to your thoughts, would you say you're more worldly or more negative? Or excuse me, more worldly or more eternal? More eternal. Like, is your name Gimme Gimme? My name is Jimmy. Like, like this thing's all about me, myself, and I. Where I go, what I do, what I buy, what I have, what I show people on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, whatever. Like, is it all about you? In every conversation, is it all about you? Or are your thoughts lean more toward the eternal? Is it more about others? Is it more toward, God, how can I bless other people? I mean, you've been a blessing in my life, God, so I want to in turn bless others. I want to be generous. This life is not about me, God. I want to use my time, my talents, my investments, like, my finances. God, I want to use what you've blessed me with to bless others and to advance your kingdom, to bring glory and honor to your name. Think about what you think about. Why? Bring us back to our thought. Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So here's the question. Are you excited about the things you're thinking about. If your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, are you satisfied? Are you excited? Are you blessed? Are you fulfilled? Are you happy? Are you content? Guys, this is important to understand. Why? Because if, you'll ch if you want to change life, guys, you got to change your thinking. And if you'll change your thinking... You will change your life. How? 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 Pastor Red, I'm in. Tell me how. Okay, I want to give you two simple things today. And each one of them has at least one bullet point to it. And I promise you, if you will apply this in your life, I'm not kidding you. If you will apply this in your life, it will change your life. You will win the battle of your mind if you will do these simple things that I'm giving you today. So if you haven't taken notes yet, go to olc.church, hit the message note button, and get ready. Because if you're just listening to it today and you're not taking notes and you're not applying it, none of this will work for you. You'll continue to face the same challenges, the same struggles, the same issues over and over again. But if you're like, hey, I want to do something I've never done before, I'm actually going to apply this message. It will change your life. So what's the first thing, Pastorette? Identify the lie that is holding you back. 
Identify the lie that is holding you back. Notice I didn't say lies. Because we all have bought into, including myself, multiple lies at one time or another. And I'm just saying we need to identify the one, the single, the greatest one that we believe that is keeping us from moving where we are to where God wants us to be. What is that one lie? And identify it. It could be self-talk. Self-talk is a great way to identify it. What is your self-talk? Is God will never love me? I'll never be good enough? I'll never be smart enough? I'll never be pretty enough? I'll never have a close friend? Is it, I will always work a dead-end job and I will never get out of debt. These student loans will haunt me for the rest of my life. Is it my marriage? You know what? I, it's never going to get better. Like, I will always be addicted. I will never find freedom in this area of my life. What is the lie that's holding you back? I don't have this in my notes today, but as I was preparing this message this morning, God wanted me to share one of the areas of my own life. And I'm like, God, really? <laughs> he said, yeah, share some of your story. And I share it not because I'm proud of it, but I share it in hopes to help you. I share it in hopes to help bring some freedom in somebody's life. I came a heart to Christ when I was 16 year old. Let me back up for those who don't know. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama originally. If you can't tell by my accent, right, I'm not from Idaho. But born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, grew up in a broken family. Mom and dad got divorced around three years old. My mom committed suicide at seven. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And I found myself just looking to love, looking to pornography, looking to sex, looking to the fulfillment of the flesh to fill a void in my life. 16 years old, I get my heart to Christ. I begin to experience love like I've never experienced before. But my life, the habits, the things that have been happening in my mind hadn't been transformed yet. My spirit was, I was going to heaven, but yet I was still struggling. Like I was going to church, I was putting on the, I love God, I love people, I was leading worship, but when I got home, when I was tired, when I was worn out, when I was exhausted, I would flip back to the habit that I created for years of my life before I gave my heart to Christ, and that is I would flip to pornography. I would flip to just this self-indulgence to fill voids in my life that I just had just created these bad habits. What, Rhett, you're telling me you were a Christian and struggling with porn? Yes, I was for many years. I'm not proud of it. I would lead worship. The presence of God would move in a service. Lives would be changed. And I was struggling. Well, Rhett, you shouldn't be a pastor. I'm sorry. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So I stand here today and roll up my sleeves just a little bit to share with you it's time to pull back the mask and to be real. We deal with some struggles. And one of the lies that I believe is that I would never be free from pornography. This is just going to be a, the thorn of my flesh. It's going to be something you're going to have to live with to the rest of your life and you're never going to be free. And I'm going to tell you that as a lie from the pit of hell. If you've bought into that. And you may not be struggling with pornography today. You might be struggling with alcohol. It could be self-inflicted pain. It, it could be self-worth. It could be uh, you know, prescription drugs. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. I don't have to tell you. You have a Holy Spirit. He will speak to it yourself. But I'm telling you, 
I bought into the lie that although I was a Christian, a man of God, loved God, trying to serve my life in the church and make a difference in my life, I was still bound by a lie. I was a prisoner locked by deception, and I didn't know how to find freedom until I began to read some of the verses of Scripture that I'm sharing with you today until I began to establish this truth in my heart. And that's why I'm telling you this will change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your home. And you, my friend, you, my sister, will find freedom. It's yours. It's yours. You will. But you got to identify it. What's the lie that's holding you back? Some of you are like, I don't know. I'm so messed up. I have no idea where to start. I get that. I was there too. Ask God for help. Ask God for help. If you're having trouble... Ask God for help. I love David. David is a man after, he was known by God as a man after God's own heart. And it was because of prayers that he prayed like this for asking God for help. This is what he said. Lord, search me. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me. Oh God, will you know my heart? Will you test me? Will you know my anxious thoughts? Point out anything in me that offends you. Help me identify the lie that I bought into that's keeping me from becoming the man or the woman of God you called me to be. Lead me in the path of everlasting life. What's David saying? David's saying, guys, I'm recognizing that in order for me to become who God's called me to be, I need some help to identify the lies that I believed or lies that I didn't even know that I believed. God, help me. Why? So that I can experience freedom. And I just want to tell you today, I stand here clean from pornography for several years by the grace and the power of the authority of Christ in me by giving you what I'm giving you today. Why is this so important to identify the lie? Because you cannot defeat what you cannot define. You cannot. You will never defeat what you never define. I found this incredibly interesting. Now, I'm not a smart guy, but I can read. Okay, I can read. And uh, I was reading some studies um, from a lady by the name of Dr. Caroline Leaf, and studies have shown that our thoughts, our imaginations, and the choices that we make, they create neurological, molecular changes in our brain. Look at this. She actually studies cognitive neuroscience. She special. i got to read this because... I just, I, I, I just had to read it. Specializes in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. Whoo, that's a mouthful. Look at what she's discovered. And she's a Christian, by the way. Loves God. The consequences of our thoughts and imagination, they actually get under the skin of our DNA and they can turn certain genes on and off, changing the structure of the neurons in our brains. She came to the conclusion, so our thoughts and our imaginations and choices, they can change the structure and function of our brains on every level. That's why she says research shows that 75 to 98%, don't miss this, 75 to 98% of mental, mental, physical, and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life. She's an incredible author, incredible person, incredible woman of God. If you've never read any of her books, I would encourage you to read some of her books. It'll help you in this process. And some of you are thinking, Pastor Rhett, this is not, this is not God, man. This is science. (laughs) 
what neuroscience calls restructuring the brain, God has called for several thousand years, renewing your mind. And I'm gonna show it to you in a verse that we read a bunch this past month. I'm gonna read it again, Romans 12, 2. We read it every Sunday last month, and we're gonna read it again. Look, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Stop thinking like the world thinks, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Thoughts matter. Your thoughts matter. In fact, Proverbs 23, 7, again, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. If you want to change your life, my friends, you've got to change your thinking. If you'll change your thinking, you will change your life. It's a promise from God. How do we win the war in our mind? Well, we first have to identify the lie that's holding us back. Whatever it is, name it. Why? Because you cannot defeat what you cannot define. Name it. Are y'all getting something out of this this morning? If you are, say amen. Just trying to help you win the war in your mind. We've first got to identify the lie that's holding us back. Second thing I want you to do, and that is now I need you to replace the lie with God's truth. I need you to replace the lie with God's truth. What does that look like? Well, let's look one more time at the guy named Paul who battled, who warred, and over time won in the battle of his mind. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, one more time. For though we live in the world, for though we all have an opportunity to make decisions about the choices and the thoughts that we think, we do not wage war as the world does. No, the weapons we fight with, you ready? They're not weapons of the world. I'm getting excited. About to preach on you a little bit right here, okay? On the contrary, they have divine power to annihilate, to destroy, to tear down, to set you free from whatever it is you're struggling with, to demolish, to destroy the strongholds. God has given you the power to be set free from the prison of lies. How? What does it look like? We demolish arguments. We, everybody say we. We have a responsibility. We demolish arguments, every pretension, every lie that sets itself against the knowledge of God. How we replace the lie with God's truth. How we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. We take responsibility. As grown men and as grown women and as children of God, we take responsibility. It's on us to make the choice about whether or not we're going to control what goes between this ear and this ear. So how do I do it? I'll give you something extremely practical, but incredibly powerful. It won't surprise you, but if you'll apply it, it'll change you. I need you to read and rehearse God's word. I need you to read God's word, and I need you to rehearse God's word over and over and over and over again and again and again. Well, Pastor Red, I don't even know where to start. Like, I mean, I love God. Like, I want to get in his word. I don't know where to start. Can I encourage you with a great place to start? Once you've identified the lie, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's worry, whether it's an addiction, I want you to pull out your smartphone and I want you to go, Hey, Google, will you give me some Bible verses on? Y'all think I'm kidding. 
Oh, for, sorry for you Apple users. Hey, Siri. <laughs> will you give me some Bible verses on whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever that lie is? I'm not playing. And then what I want you to do, <laughs> I want you to get a paper Bible, one of these ancient manuscripts. I think they call this in ancient times papyrus. <laughs> and I want you to be able to begin to touch the pages. I want you to see it. Science, guys, I don't even know how, but science has proven you will remember, you will retain when you read from paper. Nothing wrong with digital. Digital is great. I use it every day. But I really don't learn or grow from it, to be honest with you. So, hey, Google, I'm struggling with some thoughts about worry. Give me like some Bible verses on, on, on worry. And then when 25, 30, 50, 100 verses start popping up, pull out your paper Bible. Find it. Highlight it. Circle it. Pull out a pen. You remember those? Or a pencil. I'm not kidding. Circle it. Highlight it. Write it down. Put it in front of you. Begin to read it and rehearse it. Read it and rehearse it over and over and over and over again. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between your soul and your spirit, between joint and marrow. It does surgery on your soul. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. It opens our eyes and it exposes the lies. Why? Because Proverbs 35 says, every word of God is true. God's word is the key that unlocks the prison of deception in your life. God's word is the key that unlocks the prison door of deception that you bought into and that you believed over your life. Even Jesus said this, John 8, 31 through 32. Guys, if you'll abide in my word, if you'll abide, if you'll read, if you'll rehearse it, if you'll speak it over your life, if you'll live it out, you're my disciples indeed. And here's the promise. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you, say that last word out loud, the truth shall make you Come on, man. The truth will make you free. <laughs> it's the truth of God's word. We identify the lie. We ask God for help. We replace the lie with the truth of God's word. We read God's word. We get the paper Bible, man. We highlight. We circle. We read it over and over and over again. We rehearse it out loud over our life. Because when negative thoughts come, hey, 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 Siri, uh, I need some Bible verses right now about negative thoughts because I just got done watching about an hour of my life to this news network. And I need some positive thoughts. Help me out. And you think that you can't do something. Then you read a verse because you've highlighted it in your Bible and you're seeing it and God is transforming you. For I can do everything through Christ who does what? Gives me strength. When you're exhausted, when you're tired, when you're worn out, hey Google, I'm exhausted. I need some Bible verses. Help a brother out. 
2 Corinthians 12, 10 pops up. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're living in fear due to COVID, if you're living in fear due to a bad report from the doctor, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. No, 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 no. But a power of love and self-discipline. If you're anxious, if you're worried, if you think you're never going to have enough, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God will generously provide all you need. If you don't think you're beautiful, you think you'll never be enough, if you don't like what you see, Psalm 139, 14, I praise you because you made me in an amazing, wonderful way. In fact, I'm your craftsmanship. I'm your masterpiece. I'm a son or daughter of the King of Kings. And if you always feel like you're trapped in addiction, maybe like me, you pull up a verse like this in Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And I could go on and on and on all throughout scripture, all God's promises to say, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. I am highly favored of God because I'm a son of the living God of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For greater is he that lives in me. How? Because the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in me. And I'm telling you, when the enemy comes at you in one direction, the enemy has to flee from me in seven. Why? Because when I resist the devil, he has to flee. I demolish the strongholds by taking captive every thought and I make it obedient to the truth of God's word. What am I doing? I'm renewing my mind. I'm renewing my mind. I'm changing the way I think. I'm replacing the lie that I believed for so many years. I'm replacing it with God's truth. So what do we know? Most of life's battles are won right here, between this ear and this ear. What do I know? Life is always moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. What do I know? What comes into my mind comes out in my life. What do I know? I know that if I ever want my life to change, I gotta change my thinking. At the end of Paul's life, as he was closing out the book of Philippians, which many scholars believe that was the last book that he wrote, he basically said, I've fought, I've warred, I've won. How, Paul? By changing the way I think is what he says. Look at this, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, sisters, One Life Church, as I sit in this prison cell, having overcome the thoughts of my life, is what he's saying. I need you. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. think about these things. Get them into your mind. Because if you'll get them here, it'll come out here. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, guys, put it into practice. Don't just come to a Sunday morning service, listen to it. Oh, that was such a sweet message. Okay, feed me next week. No, eat every day of the week. I don't know. Last I checked, grown people fix their own sandwiches every day of the week. Whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you heard, whatever you've seen, put it into practice. Here's the promise. And the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> He'll be with you in your mind. He'll be with you in your emotions, in your home, in your family. 
some of you, you're here today, and if you were honest, you're like, <laughs> right after hearing all of that, I still feel like Paul was at the beginning of his journey where he said this in Romans 7:24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. You feel miserable. You feel worn out. You feel dejected. You feel hurt. You feel shame. You feel pain. And you're asking the question, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Some of you here today, you feel miserable because you feel locked in a prison by a lie. And I just want you to know, the only lock on that door of your life is it's a lie. It's not the truth. My prayer and my hope today as your friend, my prayer and our hope today for you as a church family is that God would reveal to you the truth. And that is, look at the rest of the verse. Thank God. Thank God. I see it now. The answer, the truth, the only one who holds the power to set me free is Jesus. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Please, nobody moving around in this moment. We'll be here just another few minutes. This is the most significant part of today. And in fact, this is the most significant part and moment of your entire life. I wanna pray for you. God, I pray by the spirit of God today that people's eyes, our hearts would be opened to see clearly, God, the lies that we've believed for so long that aren't even the truth. God, I pray that you would help us to identify the areas in our life, God, that are holding us back from becoming all that you've called us to be. God, we're asking you for help, just like David, search us. God, know our hearts, know our thoughts. Search us, oh God. Lord, we're asking that you would lead us and guide us in every area and that we would begin to apply what we hear today, that we wouldn't just walk out of this service, but we would begin to actually read your word and rehearse your word over our life in every area that we struggle with. And God, I'm asking that you help every single one of us walk this thing out of being able to take captive every thought and making it obedient to you. Because we realize that freedom is not found in my own effort. My freedom is found in a relationship with you. That's the truth, everybody. John 14, 6, Jesus said himself, I'm the way, I'm the truth. No one comes to the Father. Let me say it this way. No one comes into a relationship with God and experiences freedom apart from Christ. Some of you are here today, if you're honest, you're like, I feel distant from God. I don't even feel close, but I want a relationship. Some of you are here today or maybe even listening online. You're saying, you know what? I've walked away from God but I wanna come back into a relationship with God today. I wanna encourage you, you are one heartfelt prayer away from experiencing the first step of freedom in your life that comes from Jesus. If you'll declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll experience a miracle. It's called salvation. So if you're here today, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, if you're here today, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you down front but I would love to know who you are. I'd love to encourage you to be so bold, to say, Red, you're talking to me, man. God, I wanna give my heart to Christ. I wanna come into a relationship with God. I wanna come back into a relationship with God. All across the room, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking around. You and God right now, if that's you, raise your hand. Come on, be so bold. Listen, you're not promised tomorrow. Today is all you've got. And I just wanna encourage you in this moment, now is the time, today is the day to come into a relationship with God, to begin to experience freedom in your life, in your home, and in your thoughts, in Jesus' name. Will you put your hands down? Will you, everybody say a simple prayer like this all across the room? Say, God, today, I say yes to your love. 
I say yes to your son, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I say this. I put my hope, I put my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. And I pray that I say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my heart. I receive you. And I ask you to empower me to make a difference with my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, listen to me. Hang with me just for a second. Nobody moving around. If you said that prayer for the first time, maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't, but you know you said that prayer. I want to say congratulations. That's the most significant step in your spiritual journey. Welcome home, everybody. But there are some other steps that you need to take. <laughs> a simple next step, honestly, is small groups. You can't do life alone. You got to have people that you're doing life with. And we believe that life change happens in life-giving relationships. This is where it happens. It happens in small groups. Well, how do I know more about all that? You can go to olc.church, click on the link that looks just like that. Or you can do something that I would encourage every single one of you to do today. I want to draw your attention to the connection card that's inside your worship guide. Just do that for a moment. That connection card is a safe card to fill out. Any information you're comfortable giving us, this is all that's going to happen. I'm going to send you one email that says, thank you for being a part of our service today. If you are our guest for the first time, but if you made a decision, I'm going to send you an email that says congratulations and gives you some simple next steps like small groups that you can take in your own time. Hey, One Life Church family, we had some decisions for Jesus Day. Come on, will you put your hands together and celebrate all across this room?